Hello, my name is Carol Tonietti, and I'm the chief curator at the Norton Simon Museum, where this winter the museum has the very good fortune to hang in its 19th century galleries Vincent van Gogh's self-portrait, executed in August of 1889 and on loan from the National Gallery of Art in Washington. This special loan is part of an ongoing series of exchanges that began in 2008 between the National Gallery and the Norton Simon Museum. The same series that brought to Pasadena Vermeer's enchanting Lady Riding and Raphael's small Cooper Madonna. Today, joining me from the National Gallery are Dr. Mary Morton, who is the curator of 19th century collections there, and Anne Honingswald, the paintings conservator, both of whom I thank for participating in this conversation and also for their camaraderie and generous spirit in planning the loan of this one of their most significant paintings by this enigmatic artist. Welcome, Mary and Anne. Thank you. Born in March of 1853 in Zundert, Holland, to a Dutch Reformed pastor, Van Gogh was a man who had deep emotional ties to his homeland and his family, who spoke numerous languages, was an avid letter writer and a reader of literature, and in the span of just 10 years, managed to paint some of the world's most endearing and iconic images in the history of art. And yet, his relationships were at times obsessive and often tempestuous. His bond to his family vacillated continually, and his internal compass was dictated by insecurity delusion, and destitution. He had a peripathetic lifestyle and was prone to fits of depression, paranoia, embitterment, and resentment, and he never lost the sense of having failed at all of the professions he pursued. Clergyman, teacher, art dealer, and finally, artist. Disregarded in his lifetime by many, his work would for the most part be revered only in the last year of his life and after his death, and command prices that still dominate today the art market. The cliché about artists as temperamental geniuses and eccentrics certainly rings true in the poignant case of our Vincent van Gogh. So Mary, I'll start with you first by asking you to describe this self-portrait from 1889. Well, this is a incredibly powerful painting. The colors that Van Gogh is using are sort of screamingly complementary, orange against blue and bluish violet. He is using a very nervous, sort of almost electric touch in laying down the paint on the canvas, and you can see it vibrating around his head, almost like a halo. And out of this, out of a kind of a hole in this vibrating background looms his head, his face, his fiery hair, his beard. And so it's an image that you stand in front of and walk away from and continue to be haunted by. Can you put this picture into context with his other self-portraits? Uh, can you tell us what other paintings he was working on at the same time? Well, it's interesting because it's late. He painted 36 known self-portraits. 
This is the only one that we know of in which he includes the artist's palette and a group of brushes, and in fact, he's wearing a painter's smock. And so it's the only one in which he specifically conveys his position as a painter. He is in San Remy, where he has voluntarily committed himself, and he's just, we know from letters to his brother, come out of a particularly severe psychotic sort of attack. And he writes to his brother that he's feeling better and that he is desperate to return to work, to return to painting almost as a kind of healing. And this is the painting that he produces, and I think you can see it in the intensity that he is on the heels of something that was quite violent and intense for him. He's still deeply troubled. Also during this period, painting pictures like roses. He's alternating between these terrible attacks and then going out into the gardens and into the countryside and reveling in nature and in flowers as a kind of desperate way to cling to life and and heal. In the past 10 years, there's been so much research done on Van Gogh's paintings to analyze his working habits. Can you tell us, Anne, about his techniques? We know from his letters that, in fact, he was spending a great deal of time on this painting. It was very important to him to almost to prove to the doctors in Saint-Rémy that he was well enough to be released. And this really was the painting that he used to indicate that. So we know from the letters that it was a crucial picture. But just looking at the painting, you can also tell that there are certain parts of it that are painted very, very quickly. You can see in the background of the painting the way that these strokes, although they're very carefully placed as they encircle his head, they're thinly applied. He allows the ground color to emerge through it, and it gives this marvelous quality of light. That's very, very thinly painted and and relatively quickly painted. But then when you look at this picture under the microscope and look at very carefully and see how he's built up the paint layers, his smock and his shirt both make it very clear that it's not simply painted wet into wet, but he's allowed the paint layers to dry before the second application goes on. He's painting really wet paint over dry. So clearly a certain amount of time must have had to elapse before he completed it. And we know from letters, sometimes he tells his brother Theo that it, that it takes him only two hours or, or one hour or just an afternoon. But he also tells us in the letters that he goes back and he reworks his pictures. Sometimes it's for what he calls just for unity. I think mostly it's really to get the color relationships to the point where they read the way he wants them to. I've spent my summer in in anticipation of this beautiful portrait coming. I decided I was going to read Van Gogh's letters to his brother Theo, to his parents, to his sisters, to even to his artists and friends. And I'm struck by the fact that for artists that came before the 20th century, we rarely have the insights that that we do for Van Gogh into their thoughts and their habits and their techniques. Is there anything that, uh, that you, Anne, could add to all of that? I think the one thing that strikes me about the letters is it's very unusual to have an artist give this much information about the materials and techniques and their approach to paintings. It is one of the reasons we know so much about him in terms of how he's painting. But what it does, in addition, it gives you a very good sense of the whole context of the 19th century because the materials that Vincent is 
asking Theo to send are exactly what the other artists at the same time are using. So it gives us a marvelous window into what was available, where they were getting their materials from, whether they were stretching canvases themselves, whether they were purchasing stretchers, whether they were using prepared canvases or raw canvases. And he makes lists of what he wants sent, but he'll also just discuss the quality of different materials. I remember there being a a couple of instances when Theo, who is sending him monthly stipends, says to him, stop using so much pigment. Um, He actually is imploring him not to use up his paints. I imagine that Theo himself was concerned about money at this point and was constantly finding himself going and having to send more and more pigments to him. Vincent is usually saying, you know, send me four or six tubes, and very often he distinguishes large tubes from small tubes, and so he really is purchasing a great amount of paint, and then you can, of course, see it on the painting itself. Mary, I guess this would be a question that I'd direct towards you. We know that your self-portrait was exhibited by 1904 in Rotterdam, and that was only 14 years after Van Gogh had died. Can you tell us when the winds changed for poor Vincent? Was he finally having some acceptance of his work at the end of his life? Or did he die not really realizing what um, impact he was making? Yeah, I mean, sadly not. I think he did die not, not realizing what his painting would mean. I think there are a few references occasionally in his letters when he was feeling better about himself and his project, that he was doing something very important that would have an impact that would last. This painting participated in one of the main moments in his rising stardom. There was a major exhibition in Cologne in 1912 called the Cologne Sonderbund. And it was the moment when German critics and art historians really celebrated the uh, careers of the three greats defined at the moment, which were Van Gogh, Cezanne, and Gauguin, but above all, (laughs) Van Gogh. So at this exhibition, it was given pride of place in, in the installation. There's documentation about where it hung in the Van Gogh room, which was dead center on one of the long walls. And it was also the cover image for the catalog. Um, so it became a kind of signature for for him and his work. And there is, I think, a, a, a real sort of strangely personal characteristic to this self-portrait compared to others. Well, this has been an extremely interesting chat. And I thank both of you, Mary and Anne, for having this conversation with me. It will be something that um, will inspire people to come and see this beautiful portrait while it's with us at the Norton Simon Museum. It will be up on December 7th and will be with us through the new year and close on March 4th, 2013. So once again, Anne and Mary, I thank you very much for uh, this chat. Well, thank you, Carol. This was a pleasure to talk to you about this marvelous picture. Thank you, Carol. Always a pleasure to work with the Norton Simon.